everyone. This is Susan Bauer, and I am here with Global Chief Marketing Officer Amy Cadora. Hi, Amy. Hello. And we are in, we are all set for another episode in our Chemicals of Concern podcast series. Now, our topic today is all about clean schools for children. So, anyone out there with children, have children in your lives. Okay, so that's pretty much everyone. We know that um, that we really need to think about things a little bit differently, and that's what we're going to do in our podcast. So we can create safe havens in our homes, but what about when our kids are in school, Amy? No, that's that's a great question. And you know, if you think about it, when you send your kids off to school, or you know, even to to daycare or or pre K, they're spending at least six hours and maybe as much as nine hours every single day in school in those you know after school activities and and in that time you know you don't have really any control over those environments like you do at your home right that's so true and um, you know if you think about it that's even more time maybe that they're spending at your house at least during the week so we know that, and I've heard from Norwich consultants, that they've been educating teachers, educating through PTA, through the school administrators about these issues of chemicals. They often donate products um, to keep a, their, their children's classroom or a specific area free from those harmful chemicals. You know, this, this idea of Enviro Claws instead of apples for the teachers. Yep, so much, so much more healthy for all the kids in school. Exactly, and, and you know, an apple a day is is healthy too. But hey, you know, Enviro Claws uh, can potentially have much more of an impact on them. And we have continued to hear about all of these incredible changes, positive changes that happen when those types of chemicals are used less at school. So, for example. You know, if you're able to eliminate the hand sanitizers that might have triclosan in them or those antibacterial wet wipes that, uh, you know, so often schools ask that you donate one or two every single semester to be used at school, to be used on desktops where your kids are not only working and putting their hands, but maybe even having their snacks, right? Actually putting food on that surface that has been wiped with an antibacterial wipe. Yeah, and, and actually, I think that's so common in schools. So, Amy, why are children more at risk when we're using these products in schools? That, that's a good reason. You know, they're, they're at this, it's, it's both an increased risk and also a little bit different risk from those harmful chemicals versus adults. I guess, first and foremost, obviously, children use all of their senses to explore. Um, we're constantly running after them, trying to keep them from putting things in their mouths as they're crawling on the floor. And of course, if, if they're picking something off the floor and putting it in their mouth, um, it's, it's going to get whatever might be on the floor into their mouth as well. And that can include those harmful chemicals. Those, think about all those surfaces really that they touch, that they can still have the residue from those cleaners, from aerosols, paints, uh, coatings, uh, it can have all of these potentially harmful substances. And, you know, Amy, I think that when you think of something like a daycare, they mm. think that they're really doing a good thing by cleaning, you know, all of these different areas because kids are putting things in their mouth and they are crawling on the floors. So, um, but then they also, this affects children that 
that are older in schools as well. No, absolutely, absolutely. You know, as, as children are maturing, it, this is kind of the way I think of it, they're, it, it's like their bodies and their physiology is turned on high because they're growing. They have this, this much higher metabolic rate than we do. Certainly someone like me, if I'm looking at my metabolic rate going down, unfortunately. Um, you remember when they you would often say, oh, you, my kid grew an inch overnight. Fact, literally almost be true because they're growing at such a, a fast quick rate they also require because of that high metabolic rate they require more energy uh, more food more water more oxygen than adults and because they're more active they tend to absorb those harmful chemicals that don't belong in their bodies really more readily so some of the stats we talk about are i think that really help demonstrate this are first Non-pregnant women will absorb 5 to 20% of an ingested dose of lead, but a toddler will absorb 40 to 70%. Wow, so that's, that's, that's staggering. You know, so exactly. a pregnant woman, 5 to 20%, a toddler, 40 to 70%. Exactly, exactly. And one of the key you know, I guess challenges, things we want to consider is that the blood brain barrier is not fully developed for the first three years of life. So that makes it even easier for these toxins to readily cross over into the central nervous system. Now, the other thing to think about, obviously, children are going to have longer to live. So that means there's more time for a disease to actually, you know, manifest itself. Um, and when it does that, it has you know, they're going to have to live with that damage from that disease for a longer period of time. And up until obviously they become adults, they have to rely on us to protect them. They're not really set up to protect themselves just yet. Yep, that, that is really true. So Amy, we know that exposure to harmful chemicals can be especially damaging to children, but what are the, some of the common sources of exposure in schools? You know, it, it, we hit on a couple of them earlier, but the idea of, of course, cleaning supplies, aerosols that can be used in, in the school. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, what are the things that we as parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, um, what, what can we do to, to impact it? And really cleaning supplies is the key area for sure. The other thing to think about is that some of our school buildings are, first of all, they're very old. They may have problems like poor air quality or extensive use of pesticides kind of around the school. And, and realize that in our buildings, certainly in schools, we've also built them to be incredibly um, energy efficient, right? So we, they're very well insulated to keep the heat in and the cold out or to keep the air conditioning out and the heat out. And because of that, that makes the, the possibility of air quality uh, being poor um, and keeping those harmful chemicals that may be in the air there for a much longer period of time. Um, there can also be radon, uh, asbestos, lead, uh, even we've been hearing more about this poor quality drinking water, you know, that we've seen really all too often in the news lately. And, you know, I feel for, for these schools because the budgets, of course, are extraordinarily tight, particularly in the public school system. These facilities are aging. And unfortunately, removing those dangerous materials is not always a top priority. Yeah, I think it comes down to it cannot be a priority, and sometimes they just don't know better, you know? So totally they, 
don't do better. You know, that whole expression, when you know better, you do better. But you're exactly right. And so the other thing is that we know little things matter. You know, sometimes it's just taking like mm. small steps. Mm-hmm. So, but we, we also know that even small exposures can have an effect on children's healthy development. Right. No, you're exactly right. And, and I mean, those same small exposures can have almost no effect on an adult. Again, just, you know, for all the reasons we just talked about. Now, if you think about maybe um, the use of lead in our paints in the past, gasoline in the last century, um, all of these can have profound effects on children versus adults. As you know, lead can cause irreversible damage um, to brain tissue, developing bones, um, and the lead in gasoline, they estimated caused an IQ loss of five points in millions of children around the world. So, you know, and, and, and then you think, well, five points, that's not a big deal, right? Five points, it, you know, kind of like 100% or 95%. I'll take a but 95%. In, but in a, in a child, that is, right. you know, that is a significant number. That's right. If you, if you can imagine for a moment, like a, a bell curve graph, a five-point loss on that bell curve actually represents a 57% increase in the number of challenged children and a corresponding decrease in the number of gifted children. And, and this idea of little things matter, you start to see it add up um, when, you're, when you're thinking about it on this type of a bell curve. Absolutely. So um, what about commercial cleaning supplies found in most schools in terms of making you know, little changes. Absolutely. Um, how, how are the chemicals that they contain something that we might be able to do something about? Mm-hmm. You know, several ingredients that you can find in those traditional cleaning supplies are actually classified as uh, asthmogens, meaning they can cause asthma to develop in people who are otherwise healthy. And the um, Environmental Working Group, which is a, uh, an organization here in the U.S. that really is independently looking at these issues, evaluated a group of, of 21 common school cleaners, and they found that six of them emitted at least one of three cosmo, uh, common asthmogens when those products were being used as directed. So, you know, as we look at the rise of asthma in children, uh, in fact, nearly 10% of kids in the U.S. have asthma compared to just 3.6% in 1980. But that's a huge shift in the number of kids that have asthma. And, it, you know, it makes you question um, if, if it's, you know, if these uh, uh, ingredients and chemicals that are being used in the schools where they're spending so much time might be contributing to that. And at the end of the day, those asthmogens do not belong in our schools, period. Yeah, and I would think that some of those common asthmogens are often, you know, found at home as well. So kids are having that exposure at school, they're having it at home, and that's just that compound effect. Because as you mentioned, it really is on the rise in terms of the number of children who have asthma today versus say 10 years ago or even 20 years ago. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Okay, so let's move on to solutions. So what can parents do to help make school time safer for kids? Um, I think the best place to start is the school supplies that uh, of course we're as parents chasing down every single year, you know, looking at glass, stainless steel, silicone containers 
for school lunches. Um, so you can avoid those plastic bags. You can also avoid sending, you know, kids lunches in um, plastic containers that they might be able to, to microwave. And of course we know microwave and plastic are not a good combination at all. Mm -hmm. um, thinking about scented markers and glues, those may contain phthalates or other petrochemicals. So, you know, looking at alternatives, which are more readily available now, like the, the water-based markers or pencil highlighters. Um, some, some easy things from a Norwex standpoint, you know, substituting our products for hand sanitizers and wet wipes and paper towels. Uh, we have so mu so many different microfiber alternatives that, um, you know, just, just you don't have to use any of these chemicals and you can get your uh, classroom, desk, classroom and school uh, much cleaner than you could with these traditional cleaners. And I think just remembering that, that these little choices matter. Sometimes it's easy to blow that off and say, oh, it doesn't make a difference, but it does because any degree of exposure, you know, is, is going to have an impact. But by the same token, I believe that any degree of reduction is also going to make a huge difference. And when you think about a classroom, you're not just affecting one child. You're affecting, you know, 20 or 30 kids in that classroom. So absolutely right. Absolutely right. So that really is kind of it's exponential, those little things. So oh, go ahead. No, I was just, just going to say, you know, the other thing, um, thinking about spending so much time indoors, you know, when I grew up, we used to have, you know, an hour for PE where we'd go outside all the time. And then you'd have, you know, when you were younger in elementary school, there'd be, oh, you know, 45 minutes to an hour of recess. You know, I just wish we could get back to that, to, to realizing the importance of keeping them not only active, kids active, but outside of the, you know, enclosed areas. Because when we're spending, you know, up to 90% of our time indoors in, in these areas where these, these chemicals, harmful chemicals are accumulating and you're, you're breathing them all day, obviously not, not the healthiest choice for us. And such an easy thing to do to, to keep kids outside and give their bodies a break and their lungs a break, right? Yeah, and it's funny because when schools probably look at designated times, they're thinking we're, we're giving them more of an education by not having them spend so much time outdoors. But that is, it's so important. And kids, you know, thrive and and also you know it's just a a, a better I think in, environment for kids to feel like gee they have a lot of um, they have a lot of fun at school too I remember my kids even um, I remember when they reduced times at school for mm -hmm. lunches and for outdoor just play time you know and and I think that now we want to make sure we can measure everything every moment that they're spending um, being in the building, but you can't underestimate uh, having um, having going on swing sets and going in monkey bars and and also just physical activity from exactly. that perspective. Okay, so moving on, what can consultants do to build awareness and provide solutions? We've talked about it a little bit, but but what else? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I often hear consultants talk about themselves as being educators about these issues. And I, I love to hear that because I, I think that is so true. And probably, you know, looking at creating a, you know, a discussion, a dialogue with your school about chemical use. And, and I, I think a good place to start is even with the PTA or the school nurse, because we have talked with consultants who have been successful at getting microfiber, even, you know, a travel uh, enviro in the hands of 
you know, as many kids as possible in their elementary school, um, it makes a huge difference. And once, you know, teachers and administration are on board with it, um, they won't give it up. You know, they, they love what they see in terms of, you know, not having to use those harmful chemicals. Um, great testimonials on um, just keeping the classroom really clean. Um, obviously, talking about chemicals in schools uh, at your parties, so trying to raise the awareness that this issue of harmful chemicals is, is not only about the home, but it really is about the schools where your kids are spending a tremendous amount of time. Um, some ideas we've heard are where maybe the hosts want to donate their rewards to a local school for certain classrooms or give the, the custodial cart a makeover. I, I, I love these ideas. I think they're, again, they're small ways that, that we can all have a, a pretty big impact. Oh, absolutely. I love that, a custodial cart makeover. I do too. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is great. It, it's that healthy home makeover, but in a school version. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so are there resources that you suggest to learn more about the risks um, chemicals of concern posed to children? You know, we talked a lot about Little Things Matter, and there's a great video on YouTube actually called Little Things Matter, the, um, the impact of toxins on the developing brain. And this uh, video was created uh, by Dr. Bruce Lanfear, uh, who is at the Simon Fraser University in Canada. I just think he does a great job of, of making this understandable, you know, this idea of prevalence and, and the, the potential harmful effects of these toxins in kids, even at those very small amounts. And again, how reducing those amounts could have a significant impact. You know, for me, it's, it's a really strong motivator every day to not only create my, my home as a safe haven for my family, but also to continue to reach out to people everywhere with that knowledge and also solutions to reduce that exposure to those harmful chemicals every day and every way, but especially for our kids because they're so susceptible to these. Absolutely. Um, and I know that the Little Things Matter video, I found that really impactful. Mm -hmm. So uh, for all of you that are listening, we know that you are taking steps every day to help spread our mission and to share how people can reduce chemicals, not only in their homes, but also in schools. So we applaud you and mm -hmm. celebrate you for all that you're doing. I know that you hop onto these podcasts uh, because you really want to have a better understanding and learn more. So I always end with an action step. So if you have not seen Little Things Matter, it's a great video. So, you know, some night when you're scrolling through Netflix, think, oh, I'm going to watch that video instead. And I think that it's, um, it's very enlightening and it, you'll learn a lot from it. So, and I think as always, Amy, we always learn a lot from you and sharing your wealth of information. So I want to thank you for being with us today as well. Oh, happy to do it. Happy to share always. Okay. Well, thanks everyone. Always appreciate that you take time out of your day to invest in yourself and in your business and with Norwex. So thank you. And until next time.